This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Just want to acknowledge the uh, Petiro and the Levaya of Ibnota Grimlad Zatzal that took place today. Many of you maybe watched the Levayas and the Espadim. He was a, a rabbi's rabbi. He was one of the, the people that Rabbonim, I know many people who would turn to him for some of the most complicated shilas that existed today, mainly dealing with Gittin and Seamus and how to write names and spellings. He was well known for that, and he was a big loss for Klai Yisrael. Baruch Hashem lived a very full life. He was 97, 96 when he passed away, and he was very active till come out the end. So he was a, a, a dying Rav in Memphis, Tennessee, for the bulk of his life. Very close Talmud of Moshe Feinstein. <clears throat> his son said at the Levi, something just to think about, that they have a letter that Ramosha wrote to his father when his father was 21 years old. And he wanted to go there to Israel. And his father says, and Ramosha wrote back to his father, that I see he's going to one day be one of the pillars of Hiro and Klal Yisrael. He was 21 years old at the time. That's a pretty something amazing. And he taka was. He was not so popular. Many more people knew his nephew, Rebbe Ephraim Greenblatt, the author of the Rivois Ephraim. That was his nephew. He was more popular because he wrote Svarim. This one was less popular in Mata, but he was uh, the rabbi's rabbi. Anyone know, any, any big rav in the last 50, 60 years always spoke to him. I only got his phone number later. Someone introduced me to his number. I didn't have the schuss to speak to him. But uh, many people that you speak to uh, who had complicated childs here in America and all over the world, he was the, uh, the person they went to. So it's a big loss for Klai Yisrael. Our learning should be a schuss for his nesham, and he in return should be a male teacher for all of Klai Yisrael. During this period of time, the most common shilas that people ask is, am I allowed to do this during the Oymer? And it's one of my pet peeves that I have, that people confuse the Avelus that happens to be during the Yimei Oymer and the Mitzvah of Sviras Oymer. They're two separate, it's two separate sugyas. We have a Mitzvah to count Oymer every night until Shavuos. That's a Machlokes Rishonim, if it's Derais or the Rabbon. Then it happened to be, or maybe not just happened to be, but we also have an Avelus period that takes place during this time. But the Avelis of the Talmudic Rebakiva have nothing to do with the counting of the Oymer. So when people ask me, am I allowed to do this during the Oymer? Well, it's not the Oymer, that's the issue. Is am I allowed to do this during the Avelis that takes place during certain days of the Oymer? So at least let's understand what we're talking about. So if you look in the Ramban of Parshish Emmer, it's a famous Ramban. The Ramban says that the, the 49 days between Pesach and Shavuos is supposed to be like Cholomoyed. It's supposed to bridge the gap between the two Yom Toivim, which it means really this was supposed to be a joyous time. These days were not supposed to be sad. It's supposed to be joyous days trying to breach together Pesach and Kabbalah Satayra. But as we know, the famous Kumara tells us that during this time, we lost the, tw- the great 24,000 students of Rabbi Akiva. The Pashtus and the Rishonim and the Gemara and Yuvamis is that the only reason why this time is considered a sad time was because of the loss of the great students of Rabbi Akiva. There are others who come up with other reasons. If you look at some Rishonim, Ben Yerucham writes already that between Pesach and Shavuos is Yemei Din. It's the time where we get judged, and because it's the time when we get judged, that's why we have to cut back a little bit on some of our Simcha. There's a Chayk Yankov in the bottom of the Shulchan Aruch who says that the reason why we're sad between Pesach and Shavuos is because there's one Shita in a Mishnah in Idias that holds that Gehenim is, uh, most, most assume Gehenim is for 12 months after a person passes away. But there's a Shita in a Mishnah in Idias that Gehenim is open between Pesach and Shavuos. Which is why many people hold that that's why there's Avelus between Pesach and Shavuos. But the Gemara and Shulchan Aruch and Rav Rishonim assume that the Avelus that we're experiencing now is all because of the Talmud Rebbe Akiva. Now if you look at the Gemara in Yuvamis, famous Gemara Samach Beis, 
The Gemara never says that because the students died, that's why we have Avelis. The Gemara doesn't say that. The Gemara just lets you know that the students of Rabbi Akiva died mi Pesach Tzeres. So first of all, Reni Rishonim point out they did not die for 49 days. The assumption is they only died either for 33 or for 34 days. The question just is either which days do we commemorate or which days they died. But the simple reading of the Gemara in Yavam, it sounds like they died for 49 days. Rishonim already point out that that's not the case. So we're commemorating the loss of the students of Rabbi Akiva. But the Gemara never says, and therefore have Avelis. The Gemara just tells you this is what happened. You should know that between Pesach and Shavuos, Rabbi Akiva's students died. That's all the Gemara tells us. So where did this Avelis come from? So this came from the Goinim. The Goinic period is between the year 600 and the year 1100. It's about 500 years. So the Goinim instituted this Avelis and the Rishonim added on to it. But here's where things get tricky. Many, many people confuse Svira with the three weeks. And they say, well, whatever I'm not allowed to do during the three weeks and the nine days, I'm not allowed to do during the Meyah Svira. And that's 100% incorrect, and there's no basis for such an analysis, because they're two separate things. They're not the same. They're different periods of mourning. They don't follow the same rules. I often point out that the longest period of Avelis that we have as a community is Yimei HaSvira. Right? Even the three weeks, which is only Ashkenazim, is only three weeks. Yimei HaSvira is 33 days. And for Svardim, the whole three weeks doesn't exist. They only have Shavuot Shachalboi. Yet for Svira, they keep 34 days. It's an amazing thing to think about. That we mourn longer for the loss of Rabbi Akiva students than we mourn for the Beis HaMikdash. Something to think about what it means to lose 24,000 great, 24, great students. But what's really not allowed? So if you look in the Goinim, quoted by the Torah, the Torah writes something which is very controversial today. The Torah says, Mi Pesach v'aratzeres ein noisinoshim. The Torah writes, there's no chasnas between Pesach and Shavuos. Closed, finished, no weddings. A Rebbe once told me that he says he heard from his parents, and in Europe, no one got married between Pesach and Shavuos. Nothing, nothing to talk about. There were no chasnas between Pesach and Shavuos. Here in America, nah, it doesn't work. Today is about, uh, I made the cheshbon how many days? Because there's still chasnas tonight, and there's even chasnas tomorrow night. And then that, ready, then ready, but we started ready with the chasnas. So how many nights do we go without chasnas in America? Very, very small amount of time. Because everyone, do, everyone goes on each side. I keep the first, I keep the second, I keep them between. So we basically have chasnas came out through most of uh, Yimei Asvira. But in... in, in up, if you look in the Torah, the Torah says, Ain't no chasnas to Pesach until Shavuos. Okay. Today we have uh, complications. We have wedding hall issues or whatever it is. So that's the first thing that was clearly banned was weddings. And that was accepted in all communities. No weddings during this time. But however, from a historical standpoint, many Rishonim were very upset with this takana. Why? Because getting married is a mitzvah. How do you have the right to tell people not to do a mitzvah? It's a mitzvah. There's no source in the Gemara of this Avelis. You made it up. So you want to make it up. So tell people they can't get haircuts, but tell people they can't do a mitzvah. So many Rishonim were very bothered by this, that you're not allowed to get married. And that's why we pass in, says in Shulchanach, that let's say someone decides they're going to get married during Svira. We don't penalize them. Because at the end of the day, they did a mitzvah. But we don't initially make weddings during this period of time because this is what they banned. Then the next thing they talked about was tispirus, hair cutting. That, the Bach points out, was not accepted in all communities. Yesh bekaimus. Some communities adapted to it, and not all communities adapted. Not everyone accepted the Yisra of tispirus. However, the Bach writes, already now in the 1500s, everyone accepted the Yisra of tispirus, and that's really what we do today in Klai Yisrael. We all accepted pretty much for the most part that we don't uh, take tispirus haircuts and shaving during these days. However, the Mishnah does point that if someone goes with the Evan and shaves when he's not allowed to, we would penalize them. This is in the times when the Bezdin actually had authoritative power. They would penalize the person. You broke a takana, you have no right. 
that if a person were to get married, he wouldn't penalize him because marriage is at least a mitzvah. That was the two major areas of halacha that they asked him. The third thing that they asked him, which doesn't say it in the Rishayim, the Magad of Rambam brings down, is they asked him rikut umachalis, dancing in circles. They asked him dancing. <clears throat> Those are the three major areas of halacha that they asked him. Now, many people have asked me today, I got the shayla twice today, what about on Rish Chodesh? Is Rish Chodesh like a day off? So the truth is, it happens to be a fascinating truth, for Advaz. The Advaz writes to the truth, he says, yes, Rish Chodesh is a day off of Avelis. He says, it's not Avelis of Rish Chodesh, it's Rish Chodesh, how could there be Avelis? But all the Achreinim and the Bishayim disagree on the Advaz, and they say, well, if you're going to count Rish Chodesh as a, we count Rish Chodesh as one of the 33 days. So it is a day that has Avelis, and Rish Chodesh is not an exception. We cannot do anything today that we can't do the rest of Yemei HaSvir, and that's the way it's accepted, so today is not an exception to the rule. But, um, so many people say, well, what about cutting nails? The answer is you're allowed to cut nails during sphere. What about buying new clothing? Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky writes, there is no prohibition to buy new clothing during sphere. Because why? The prohibition of buying new clothing is connected to the Shechionu, which the Shulchan Aruch brings down in Hilchas three weeks. He doesn't bring it down when it comes to Emea Svira, right? Rabbi Yaakov, Shemovazah writes this as well, that don't start comparing the two time periods in history. They're not the same. So there's no prohibition to buy new things during Sefirah. There's no prohibition to buy things. None of these things are a problem. There's one issue. There's a very problematic Mishtabur. Mishtabur writes, in this domain, if it happens that you come across a Shechianu thing, says the Mishtabur, you're allowed to make a Shechianu. So many Achreinim say, what do you mean, if it happens? Why can't I do it L'Chadchila? So many Achreinim mutcha with the Mishtabur, but the Mishtabur is calling a Ma'amah Modchai. And the Ma'amah Modchai is the one who says clearly that there's no problem to say Shechianu during Yimei Hasvir. So Allah Chalamaitza, the consensus is you can go uh, cut your nails, you can go shopping, you can go swimming, you can maybe even do things that you're not allowed to do during the three weeks that are more dangerous, you can go on vacation. None of those dinim apply during Yimei Hasvir. Those are all three weeks, nine days. Allah they do not apply Obviously, you can't do anything that's dangerous all year long. But, you know, for example, people go to the ocean, they go to the beach, they go swimming. They don't do it during certain kufas, but that, that doesn't apply during Yimei Asvira. But the big shayla that everyone wants to talk about is uh, music. That's the big tumult. Now, the most ironic thing about music is if you ask anyone on the street, what's the one thing you're for sure not allowed to do during Sfira? You're not allowed to listen to music. That's the one thing that says it absolutely nowhere. It doesn't say explicitly that you're not allowed to listen to music. Because you have to remember... They didn't have access to music like we have today. Today, what, what, what did they have in the times of the Rishon of music? They had musical instruments. Not everyone knew where to play. So what are you going to tell them? You're not allowed to listen to musical instruments? Well, how am I getting musical instruments anyway? I'm putting together a band in my backyard? Today, it's a whole different world. Today, we have access to music like this. Where do we get it in your ear? So where does the Isra music come from? So it's a question. So there's a Magad Avram. The Magad Avram writes that Rikudu Mucholis is also. You're not allowed to dance. That's always the funniest thing. I see people... They don't have music, but they all dance, right? They'll go, let's say, for example, someone gets engaged. Go to a chaim, go to a var. And they're all dancing, but they don't have any music. I'm very proud of them, they don't have any music. But the dancing is the problem. That's what the Magad Avram says is also. So you got to be careful. If you're going to go to an event and you want to have a rikida, it has to be rikida shal mitzvah. What's a rikida shal mitzvah? So dancing at a var is not a rikida shal mitzvah, I'm sorry, because a var is not a mitzvah. Uh, I always tell my Tamid, the Mavard is English for a waste of time. That's what a Vard is. Just to bring everyone together, just there's no purpose in Allah. But let's say you talk and make an Arison. Let's say you make an Arison during Sri, which is Mutter. Now we don't do it today because we do everything in one package, Arison and Nisun. But if you do an Arison, Nachsindu Tanoim. If we were to do a real Arison, you'd give the girl a ring and say to Araya Amikudashas, that would Taka be allowed to be dancing. For example, I had a, years ago, I had a Talmud of mine whose parents made Achnos Sefer Torah during Sri. And the kid was all riled up about it. He was so upset. Why would his parents schedule Achnasis Devatari for Svira? Now the truth is it was wrong. They shouldn't have scheduled it for Svira. But most Achreinim hold its mutter. 
Because it's a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah. By the Svard, if you've ever been to a Svard Bris, it's a happening party. I went to a Svard Bris, but I don't know what hit me. They have music. It's like a chasana. It's 8 o'clock in the morning and they're dancing. I, I, I couldn't handle it. But, but the achreinim right, that for them it's takamut, it's a dance at a bris. Because for them it's normal. That's the way they commemorate, celebrate bris mila. We don't. There's even a shayla in the achreinim, what about dancing at a sheva brachas? So the achreinim say, it depends on how much dancing you normally do at a sheva brachas. Bar mitzvahs are a big shayla. Someone called me up a few months ago, he wanted to make a bar mitzvah for his son during svira. But he keeps the first svira. So I told him it'd be better not to make a bar mitzvah with dancing. He told me the bar mitzvah boy wants dancing and music. Most achreinim hold that the bar mitzvah is not enough of a justification, justification for dancing and music. So you got to know what the event is. So dancing is also. So where did music work its way in? So the Yerach HaShulchan writes, well, if you're not allowed to dance, Koshken, you're not allowed to listen to music. That's the words of the Yerach HaShulchan. Rabbi Shabbat Zalman Orbach had a different spin on it. Rabbi Shabbat Zalman Orbach said that you're not allowed to dance because you're not allowed to listen to music because the music will bring you to dance. So therefore, writes Rabbi Shabbat Zalman, let's say you want to listen to Chazonish. I have no idea why you'd want to listen to that. To me, that's more sphere than anything. It's more availus. But let's say you enjoy this stuff. So Rabbi Shabbat Zalman writes, it's mutter. He writes, it's mutter. Because no one in their right mind wants to dance to Chazonish. And therefore, he writes in theory it should be mutter. Who would want to dance to it? I can't really get to listen to it. But in any case, that's Rosh Hashanah. So Rosh Hashanah is negei aloch lemaisa. According to Rosh unless he listens to slow music, there is other music that's not uh, fast beating music. So Rosh Hashanah writes, I think in theory it's mutter, but I don't want to permit it because it's a slippery slope. And then there's the last camp thought, camp of thought, which is Ramosh and Rebbe Vajja. They hold there really is no source to ask music, but it's not so posh you can listen to music all year long. Based on the famous Gemara and Gittin, that maybe Zamra should be usher anyways. So twice a year we push ourselves not to listen to music. But we all know the famous Satan that everyone talks about to exercise it for the kids. Maybe we'll talk about it more ne- uh, later in the week. But Lamai said it's an ironic twist. The one thing that everyone is so mocked on when it comes to sphere is the music. And that itself is not clear exactly where the Yisrael Issa comes from. But Lamai said we should try to be machmir because they accept the practice of Klai as well as not to listen to music uh, taped or live during uh, Yemei Asfir.